0: This is a strategist episode 1017. My name is Zane Velge. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Guys, what is going on? What's with the finger pointing? What's with the finger pointing? What's we're, going? We're doing the we're music. grooving. Yeah, we're doing the music thing. Oh, okay. Well, the music already happened. You Can't do the music thing when the music happened. Carter, I, I mean, we're revisiting. communicating
1: with each other in a way so as to keep you in the dark. That's what we're actually well, thank doing.
0: Thank you, Carter. Um, yeah, Carter. What, what's with the uh, what's with the Canadian pride? So, Are you joining a convoy? What's going on?
1: Yeah, no, I, uh, I was, I was cheering for the. <laughs> Are curious... you
0: celebrating the Emergencies Act? What's going on? I was. Well, this... I am
1: celebrating the Emergencies Act, as you know, but more importantly, I was cheering for the uh, Canadian men's national uh, football team, and uh, went so far as to buy. Uh, I went and bought TSN so I could watch the whole tournament today. I bought it today. I, bought, you know, you know when I bought it, in the thirty-seventh minute of the first half. That's when I bought it. They scored one minute oh. later, and then they kept scoring. And uh, it was a wasted... It was really quite a wasted $17. And I still...
2: $17? $17 when Disney Plus is available oh, to you? For...
1: Still a sore point, guys. Carter. You know, Heather's listening. Carter. Heather is listening. Shh. The sore point.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Carter, sick. seriously? So you bought it in the 37th minute.
1: Oh, you know, Heather said to me, okay. we've got Netflix, what else do you need? So I watched Enola Holmes part two today. And the worst part was I liked it. It's targeted clearly for, I don't know, preteen women, uh, young women. I don't know, but I shouldn't have been watching it. I'm pretty certain of that. But it's all the entertainment we get in my house. That's all we have. You
0: know, you know, Corey, one thing Carter was not watching today was Welcome to Chippendales, which is a new series on Disney Plus starring Camille Nanciadeh. Oh uh just mm-hmm. sad that you and krista freeland are both missing out on some excellent <laughs> excellent uh television on, on disney plus i and bet you anything that Krista yeah, by now has, has disney
2: plus again she's got
1: it how back. do we
0: find that out she's how got we find to, that out
1: there's got to be a freedom of information thing that we can if do. there's
0: any reporters listening yeah in ottawa press gallery reporters you got to burn a question i on think this. we do a bit of a honeypot
2: like we <laughs> mentioned welcome to chipping <laughs> And uh, and we see if she, she buys. She'll she Oh, sure. that's interesting. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's
0: good. I like it. Uh, Corey, any uh, anything to mention in, in your world?
2: Uh, we're just gonna like totally
0: breeze past the fact that Carter called it the men's national football team. That's yeah, fine. Gonna, I don't. I don't care. I don't care. That. It doesn't matter. Okay. Women's soccer is what matters in this country, and yeah, it's the only thing that yeah. should matter. Carter, Jesus Christ! Wait a decade. I would okay. wait a decade to get TSN. That's what I'll tell TSN you. TSN, if wait I needed decade. to watch
1: women's soccer. Get
0: Disney Plus now, wait a decade to get TSN. Let's move it on, Carter. I know you've been waiting for this. We haven't done it in in, in a very long time. Stephen Carter, let's move it on to the headlines. That is right. This headline comes to us from CTV, City News, CBC, every major Canadian media outlet. A Flair Airlines plane has (laughs) run off the runway in Waterloo. Stephen Carter, I'd say about half of our listeners have sent us this article, yeah. <laughs> and we now need to discuss it. Stephen Carter. A Flair Airlines plane has run off the runway in Kitchener-Waterloo, southwest of Ontario, on Friday morning. According to Flair, the plane which origin Someone got hold of them. Uh, the plane which originated in Vancouver exited the runway a- at the end of its landing around 6.30 a.m. There are no reported injuries, and the 134 people on board exited the plane in an orderly fashion. Stephen Carter, your initial thoughts on... Um, on our sponsor and, and they're not, uh, not our sponsor, but keep going. Yeah. Uh, on our sponsor and, and, and a bit of a uh, unfortunate circumstances that they've run into.
1: Well, I think I speak for everybody when I say I'm shocked they made it that far. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was leaving for Vancouver. This I, is quite, I mean, be- that
1: was, in, that was impressive. And I think the people, the 104 or 108 people who are on board, they uh, should be really thankful that they made it to uh, the end of the runway. So uh, congratulations to them. Well, they've they've gone further
0: than lots. Not only, Corey, did these individuals who were leaving from Va- Vancouver to, to Waterloo get a plane trip that took them from Vancouver to Waterloo, but they got more. They actually got a few more extra meters on this flight. This is quite the value when you think about the low, low costs of those extremely uncomfortable seats uh on those Flair Airlines flights, uh our sponsor Flair airlines.
2: Well I was not our sponsor, but I yeah. was going to say, um, are we sure this wasn't intentional? Because after it ran off the runway, mm-hmm. uh, those passengers you mentioned they all had to get on a bus and go to the terminal, and I think that they probably wanted people to have that bus taste in their they mouth, did. rather yeah. than that Flair Airlines taste in their
0: mouth. Oh, that That's is right. so so smart, Carter. The bus taste was it strategic? This, this is why. Into this. this
1: is why <laughs> Flair Airlines is our sponsor. Because they, they step up every time. <laughs> they get uh, us. <laughs> they step up and they understand that strategy comes first. And if you have to put passengers on a bus after running them off the end of the runway, then that's what you do <laughs> to make sure that their airplane experience was what it, what you wanted it to be.
2: Yeah, oh, a lot of airlines will go the extra mile. Flare Airlines will go the extra few feet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm wondering, like this is now, sponsor where, content. Where people is sponsorship? Do we have to play music on, uh, underneath
0: this yeah, just to indicate that it is sponsored <laughs> content? <laughs> I have no. nothing to say here. Um, Corey, what should they have done? Should they have done anything other than the standard issued response that they gave, which is that, listen, we exited off the butt? Because this actually made international news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, this, hit, this CNN, is CNN, this is this yeah. across the world. This this actually tells you how rarely something like this happens uh, a flare airline flight lands. No, I mean uh, a plane goes off the runway. <laughs> <But laughs> that's the same joke twice. Why is that? Oh, funny? that's good.
1: That's good. The more times that's you can good. do the same joke, the better it gets. Uh, as we I all feel know. like
0: that is a real ethos of this program, Carter. It really is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Corey, is there anything they should have done creatively? Like I, I, I asked just seriously because their brand, as as much as we make fun of it, they kind of lean into this sort of like what the fuck did you expect sort of vibe? Like yeah, that's no, your general sort no, of like no, vibe. No
2: airline wants to do that with safety, right? <laughs> like just like, let's just start there. Uh, they had a lot of components if they wanted to do that. Yeah. I mean, it was literally their Waterloo flight, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> they went over the runway. It was, uh, there was a lot going on there. Uh, my favorite comment was uh, on, on my Twitter feed was uh, listener, Harris Kirschenbaum who said uh, the pilot told them this time, please don't clap. <laughs> pretty good but there's not i mean there's nothing you can do nothing you can say um yeah you, you can't lean into no, it you can't say, lean into Flair, it and say
1: flare our lines we go further
2: you can't, you can't. no but they pay us <laughs> to do and
1: that i Carter. already made
0: that joke that's why they pay us uh, to do uh, it we gotta do uh, the Cor- same Cor- joke Cor-
1: several it. times we just discussed
0: that have you not how, uh, yeah <laughs> how have you not understood this yet Jesus. uh cory uh, of course, I should remind folks, this segment is, of course, brought to us by our sponsor, it's Flair l- Airlines. It's Flair l- Airlines l- in the business of over-delivering. Uh, Carter, <laughs> you know, it's the same spirit of the same joke <laughs> over and yeah. over again. Yeah. I love it. It's good. I Are you feeling it. good about this?
1: This, this, is, this is a good guy. episode. What else did you think this would be? This is made? a good episode. Corey's, Thank goodness this uh, one's And uh, Do you know free. why? Because
0: Corey, Corey looks as paid as he would be over a seven-hour Flair Airlines flight from oh. Vancouver to Waterloo. You look that distraught.
2: You know, I have I paid for no upgrades on this podcast, and I'm <laughs> yeah. feeling it right
0: now. Carter, any, any final words to our sponsor? Words of wisdom, I should say. Uh, of course, they'll keep sponsoring us um, because they're still in business, and, and we've got that lifelong uh, sponsorship with them on, on the pod. But any words of wisdom to our sponsor, who we know uh, certainly uh, tunes in once every half dozen episodes?
1: I'd just say that when you listen to the car crash of the episode that Corey and I re- recorded together... Don't turn it into a plane crash. That's all I have to say about that.
0: Hey, wow, that bombed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a sound for that. Oh, my yeah.
1: God. <laughs> are we, gonna Corey, really, are final... we really going to the crickets? It's huh, upsetting.
0: Any final words of wisdom for our friends that, uh, at Flair Airlines? And by the way, we're happy that 134 people on board Exodus plane and, and no one was hurt. Uh, but any words of wisdom as they as they reel with this, by which I mean – don't reel with it at, at, all, at all and just move on with their day-to-day operations of uh, not letting people uh, leave the ground
2: i mean listen they they obviously managed to leave the ground that's why they got to land so they should they should take a bow it's uh you know it's more than i would have expected okay. that's good you're
0: such a dick well- Oh my well, uh, God! That's, that of course uh, we'll <laughs> round that out. That that segment uh, brought to us by Flare Airlines. Flare Airlines more than what you expected. Let's move it on to our next segment. Our next segment overshooting the runway. <laughs> Stephen Carter. <laughs> we're going to talk politics. Oh, we. Talking- I want to do. I want to do this- something. I don't think we've ever done on this podcast. And Corey, we're going to try it. We're going to try it. I think we're going to try it. We're going to try going through Stephen Carter, Danielle smith's state of the province. Oh, great. you may recall. That she made a state of the province speech to the province of Alberta. This nine-minute video that Canada Land is shocked that she paid for. By the way, shocking, Corey, shocked, yeah, I yeah saw shocked that. That, that she that she paid for. Um, these are paid everyone for always, for and they, everyone yeah. pays for it. And they regardless still get higher rankings
1: stripe. than us, it's so upsetting.
0: Regardless <laughs> of the jersey color, yeah. Uh, but this aired. This aired on CTV. This aired on Global. Yeah. This aired for about ten minutes. It's a, it's a nine-minute clip. Uh and it also was put up online. In it, Danielle Smith talks about her affordability measures. She takes some stabs at at Ottawa. And then she does this thing at the end, Carter, about forgiveness. So here's what I want to try to do. I want to get Corey to pull it up here, uh, if he can, and we're gonna play it. And at any point, if any of us hey, we're gonna hit pause for a second.
2: <laughs> okay, just, so the just, pausing just, works
0: inserts herself <laughs> right in there. I like that. Yeah, I like um, it. Wow. Here's what we're gonna try to do, Carter. We're gonna we're gonna have any of us, either of us, any of the three of us, at any point, if we want to stop, just say pause to Corey. He's on the board. And then we're going to discuss it. And You're going to tell me what you want to discuss. Did you th- see something hang strategy on wise? Did you like something? Did you hate something? And then I'll also have a few questions I want to bring in between. What do you want to say, Carter? Are we just stealing
1: your, uh, Crooked Media's OK stop thing? or Is that what we're doing? And we're I've never heard like, of
0: this. I literally have never... Uh, is, you do not understand how people... LQ yeah it's podcast an actual thing to.
1: we're just stealing someone else's bit and then we're passing it off as our own you know what never has a tr- has anything been more true let's do it it's called <laughs> okay stop
0: when you need someone to stop you just why say, do you listen okay, to other podcasts stop. i don't actually know no, that's actually not bad you know, you know what we should think of our own canadian version of that you should just be like uh, okay Dude. you know what Hey, you hold know, up! Hey, hold up! Yeah, you hold up is pretty that's good. It. You know yeah. what we should do? You know, Flair Airlines never go, so we can say okay, Flair, because Flair is like a a, oh, a Canadian really synonym for stop. So we'll just say okay, Flair at any point, and at any point that we want to stop, we'll say okay, Flair. I like it. Just that easy. I like it too. Corey We've doesn't like it. it. You own. know why?
1: Crooked media it makes you me can't like it even more. You bastard! Yeah,
0: we made it our own. Yeah, yeah. we named it after a low cost airline and their lack of going anywhere. And that's what we're going to do. Carter, we're going to play through this thing and we're going to comment through it. And I want to tease apart what she says on policy. I want to tease apart how she says it. And then I want to tease apart some of the, the content that she that she in- introduces at the end because we spent a whole episode talking about what this address should be. Now that we got to see it, I want to comment on what it, it could have been and where she did, went right, where she went wrong from a political strategy, staging, messaging perspective. And I might just start here. Corey, even before you hit go, because Carter, one of the things you said she should do is be behind the premier's desk, be dressed you know, professionally,
1: mm-hmm.
0: be dressed like the person who's occupying the role that we do see. Comment on that a bit in terms of the options that she had and the options she eventually went with a US style presidential behind the desk vibe. We've seen different premiers use different approaches. She goes with the approach that you suggested. Talk to us about that.
1: Well, I mean, I think that this is, it's, it's almost formula formulaic. I mean, this is what you're supposed to do Mm. when you're, when you're making one of these addresses, you go behind the desk, you, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, the outlier on something like this is the, um, uh, the, the, you know, the fireside chat when they're sitting beside the fireplace and they're talking to you from the fire. I mean, there are so few sets that we have for this type of uh, address that this just becomes kind of cliche and, the reason we do it is because it works. People want to actually see what their, if you will, chief executive uh looks like um doing the job hmm. of being the chief
2: executive.
0: Corey, I might be wrong, but was Apprentice One not like in in a caucus room or in a boardroom somewhere? Do you recall <laughs> this? Or am I yeah, thinking you're of not the red? Wrong. Fir- yeah. He
2: was um he was at government house on the top yes. floor. It's a very recognizable room when you know it. So yeah. It, like that's the it, it is like a, a basically a backup cabinet room. Cabinet isn't usually there, but uh, it it's got this whole uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's hard to miss when you're looking for it.
0: Corey, in your take, the the behind the desk, presidential style, Canada and Alberta flags in behind her, right move.
2: I, I, you know the. First thing I'll say I mentioned was the Canadian flag that Mm. was there, which is always there, but in some ways was not entirely a given. And it was consistent with some of her messaging later on about, you know, the Sovereignty Act within a united Canada. Right move because any other move, you know, in some ways, Zane, it's like any change is noticeable and any change is deconstructed. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you stick with the tried, tested and true, you, you can't go wrong.
0: Okay, can we can we hit play on this thing and then we can say okay, Flair, when we need to. Carter, Corey right. may not participate because he doesn't he doesn't like it. No, I'll, play. I'll oh, play. So you'll
2: be happy to know that uh, the board has stopped
0: working.
1: Oh, oh well, oh, okay. Well, this so is really helpful. That. Yeah, that was expected. You
0: know what? I'm glad. I'm glad. It's. I'm glad it stopped working. You know why? Because that's poetic. Yeah, that is that is extremely poetic based on the first segment that we just had. Uh, this is a luck we deserve, Boy, Carter. Also, there's many things I want to talk about. We actually don't right? have... No, don't Don't. <laughs> Pretty good. (laughs) Okay. Here's here's how I'll pivot. Don't worry.
2: Okay. Okay. Don't worry. We're trained professionals. I got
0: it.
1: Yeah.
0: Carter, here I want to talk about many things. But let's start. We talked about the framing. We talked about the staging. We have her behind the desk. The first thing I want to talk to you about is what Corey just brought up. She slips it in there. It's not the main thing that she wants to say, but it's the renaming of the Sovereignty Act. She, she kind of adds more words to it. The Sovereignty... What was it, Corey? The Sovereignty Act within a within United a, a Canada? United Canada, act. yeah. Talk to me about that, Carter. From a messaging strategy to have something you've talked about for months on the campaign trail, for a base that you've riled up around, you've used it as a principal sort of um, galvanizing or, or magnetizing force within your candidacy to just relabel it like that just uh, you know, before the throne speech, which is going to happen this week. What do you think of that move? for Danielle Smith, and, and even how she couched it within the, the confines of that nine-minute address. Because it move. wasn't a big, hey, by the way, point number two, this is what I'm going to do. Tell no, me what you think.
1: Great move. Great move. She took the, the primary cons- uh, you know the primary complaint about the Sovereignty Act, which was that it looks like you were trying to remove us from Canada. And she instead um, said, okay, well, that was never my intention. My intention was to, to level us up to be the equals to the government of Canada. Um, so we are now, I'm just going to take your, your language, your, she's trying to, you know, rip us away from the rest of Canada. And I'm just going to say, that's absolutely not the case by putting in United Canada into the title. What did it cost her? Nothing. What does it get her? It gets her away from the critique that this is ultimately going to lead to the separation. Um, so I think it was a brilliant move. I think that it, it cost nothing and it, and it got her, uh,
0: out of that particular critique. Are we sure it costs her nothing? Well, I'm going to put a pin in that. Corey, I get your take on this. The rebranded, or even perhaps even fundamentally rechanged, the thing is we really don't see the guts of it just yet. Uh, Alberta Sovereignty Act. What do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, there's kind of a, a standard operating procedure right now with the UCP. And I think it's it's somewhat seized from politics in general, which is... A certain bluntness to to political strategy here. And you've seen this in in naming of bills in the United States. You've seen this in naming of bills here. But there was a criticism that she had, which is you are, I mean, a legitimate criticism seen as it was called the Alberta Sovereignty Act, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, that it was an attempt to pull us out of Canada. So she just bolted on within a united Canada at the end of it. I, I mean, and it's brazen. It's kind of ridiculous because it That's right against the notion of sovereignty but hey i mean there are worse ways to approach these things now i was saying this on west to center this week i don't necessarily think it'll work because i think it's too late it's like how the uh canadian energy center was called the war room for six Mm. months before it had a name so it was destined to always be the war room the energy war room it was never going to be known as anything other than that because the name took hold and and realistically both because uh, you know, sovereignty act is much shorter than uh, what she's presented to us here, which is a very long title. And because we've been talking about it now for like six months, it's um, it's not likely to me that uh, that the title change is going to carry too much currency. Uh, and, and like, it's just a, it's a bit on the nose.
0: Hey, Carter, I don't know if you heard that Corey was on West to Center. I don't know if you just wow. heard him slip that in, kind of like yeah. Daniel Smith. Slipped in the new name of Her Sovereignty Act. I don't I know if you it, heard you that. You know, uh, we weren't able to West record oh, on
1: Thursday. I wonder where he was. Oh. Huh? Hmm. Oh, that's weird. interesting. Okay, yeah, well, okay. we're just pre-
0: preparing for West of Center for those let gems. Just, let me just address... rehashing who, on this podcast. Yeah,
1: okay. Can I address no, his point? Okay. What do you think?
0: <laughs> yes, you can, Carter. Please, please. I'll bring the energy for you. Yes, I, you can.
1: I forgot what it was. Let's
0: continue. <laughs> no, here's Corey brings up a really interesting point. I want to actually... Can I expand this conversation for a second? Sure. The crass or blunt naming of these bills—we've seen it everywhere now. Like it's become so much so that, like, the name of the bill. This kind of goes back, Carter, back into our H and K days, where you talked about three thirty, three thirty, yeah. right? That the headline of the bill is now the message in itself. Like, you, yeah. there's no mystery, there's no like ambiguity. Talk to me about that change in 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 politics that we've seen. Do you like it from a political messaging yeah. and strategy perspective? That we've got so. Uh, can I say ham-fisted or heavy-handed with how blunt we are with how we name these pieces of legislation so that it, you don't really care what the guts of it are. You just kind of hear the banner headline and you're like, yay or nay, based on kind of your tribe. Let's talk about that for to me for a second. Cardinal, get your take first in the court. Maybe I'll throw it to you. Yeah, I comments. mean,
1: the Inflation Reduction Act in the United States was actually a climate change uh, and infrastructure investment more, more than anything. Good point. It had yeah, a couple yeah. of... Uh, inflationary reduction elements to it, but it really was designed uh, to get the United States, you know, moving towards its targets on the, on the environmental front. Um, That's what it will be known for when it becomes, you know, in in three generations, people are going to be looking back at it and saying, why the hell did they call it the inflation reduction act? And someone's going to have to explain to them, well, that's what people cared about in politics at the time. And so they, they just named it that because, um, it was the only way, really, that they could pull the wool over people's eyes. Um, so they just, you know,
0: they is, knew is, that people wouldn't die. Is into Carter, it. or is it actually, is that what it is, or is it actually telling an effective story to help make something palatable to people? Like, Which, I want to give it, like, you know, if you were in this position to have to sell the the climate change and infrastructure legislation for Joe Biden, wouldn't you want to put a casing on it that you knew could be palatable or salable to? Or salient to the to the to the to the masses.
1: We talked last time about how all three of us were. I'm not sure if you were, you were must have been involved, Zane, because you did all the work, and Corey and I just took all the credit. Um, <clears throat> but you know, when we were working at H and K in the Bitumen Bubble, you know, like we didn't necessarily coin the term, but it, it, we were certainly in the room. You know, we knew the Bitumen Bubble was simply a branding exercise to ensure that we could get our message out to talk about the disadvantages of, of, of Alberta oil and gas at that particular moment in time. And it was the, what was it? It was the bubble. It was the the, the, the difference between what the prices of West Texas and uh, uh, West Canada Select were. And, and, you know, those types of differences, like you're never going to explain to people a complex idea. No, 99.9% of the population will never mm-hmm. dig into mm-hmm. it. You know, this is why the word equalization is so challenging right now. We've made equalization equal something that it's not. We mean something different than what it actually is. But <clears throat> that was Ralph Klein's genius. That was, you know, when when you when you do that, you reduce the com- the complicated to the simple. And then it just becomes so much easier to get people to buy into it.
0: Carter, I'm gonna to come to you in this in a second, but Carter, one one final follow up. Yeah. You're the guy who, you know, in our H, you reference H and K, our consulting days. You're the guy who always talked about this concept of three thirty, three thirty. Yeah, talk to me about talk to the listeners about that. And why are you so against these bills being so crassly named? When you also, as a strategist, understand attention spans in the first three seconds are what matter. So first tell people what three thirty, three thirty is, and then talk to me about how how you reconcile the two. I'm not against Mm. it. I'm just
1: simply pointing it out. The three thirty, three thirty is that people will give something. Like less than like three tenths of a second, like three seconds, right? Like you're glancing at something, you're barely seeing it. You you might just see the headline. And then they might get 30 seconds into something and they learn like the 20 word synopsis. Those are the two primary ways that people communicate with something. Then if they start to get into it, then they'll spend three minutes on it. And if we can get them to 30 minutes, then we're really cooking. And we used to equate different points of engagement. So we'd write the headline for the three seconds. We'd write the body for the 30 seconds. We'd then get them to click a link for the next three minute, you know, for the three minute engagement. That's what we would count that with. And if someone gave us their email address, then we counted it as a 30 minute engagement. The idea of the three, and again, keep in mind, it wasn't actually three seconds, 30 seconds, three mm-hmm. minutes, 30 minutes. We actually used 330, 330 as a branding mechanism to describe something along the lines of our engagement ladder, right? Some other folks in the company were using the term engagement ladder. We created the words 330, 330, and that created, a, I mean, it was the same shit, right? It's the same shit, just applied a little well. bit differently.
2: We, we didn't create it. It's a sales term. Three thirty, three thirty. Oh, uh, you know, the, we created everything moving us. up from three seconds elevator. Pitch we did it, it all. To we we're amazing.
1: Why won't you give us a credit?
0: <laughs> yeah, why? Why are you like this, Corey? Keep, why are you like this? I just gave Carter a bunch of credit. He could have just, you know, stayed quiet. People would have been fine. I just I like Carter would have been like, we're like stolen a segment, f- and then and then that drinks the whole segment, and then a fucking board stopped working. You know, Corey.
2: any any segment that relies on the soundboard, which we, has was a like mistake, a batting average yeah. of of
0: like zero. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say anything above 400 is all-star level. So you better choose your, (laughs) choose your like a Willie Mays style batting average for the soundboard is what I expect. Corey, talk to me about the heavy handed nature and the branding of these bills. You brought this concept up. Like, are you into it as a marketer, as a strategist, as a comms person? Do you
2: get it? I mean, I'm into it, but I do. People do tend to go a bit nuts with it. Um, And, this is not necessarily the idea of let's brand the bill in a in a thoughtful way that's going to be that three second branding this is a this is a bolt on to repair damage right like so i, I feel like it's a little bit different i mean it's taking some of the same tactics, but it's a little bit different. The Americans go crazy overboard with this, so you've talked about a couple of American bills here mm-hmm. uh, do you remember the infrastructure act yeah do you, yes. do you remember the original name of the infrastructure act? oh uh, no. no. Invest in America Act oh. but invest was an acronym it stood for investing in a new vision for the environment and surface transportation in America. Oh, that's Act, beautiful.
0: Right? Wait, sorry the the I in invest stood for invest investing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. But okay. but this is true of like the we talk about the Patriot Act. It yeah. it was it's it's an acronym. It was the USA Patriot Act. Uniting and strengthening America by providing appropriate tools required to intercept and obstruct terrorism.
0: That's pretty fucking good. That's actually that. That was actually pretty good. That's I mean, the terrorist really you read these really shitty for people that look like me. But the acronym, <laughs> I mean, one of the best. No, that's actually I mean, that. Give that person a raise, but then also fire them because of the negative yeah. ramifications. Well, we well, understand. So the, the
2: funny thing is, what the Americans often did when the titles got long, you know, they they almost made the three seconds the acronym,
1: yeah, and the yes.
2: thirty seconds was the long that's form of the title, you know, and then they went further and further into the bill. But the, the reality is. When it gets too long, when it gets too cumbersome, people give it a shorthand. Right? It's uh, yeah. it's like if you have a long name. You're gonna have a nickname your whole life. That's just the reality of things here. And um, in the case of Danielle Smith, she's not I you know, she'll continue to say within the United Canada. I think it will actually even work for some people. Like, no, no, it's within the United Canada, it's within the name of the bill. But the devil will be in the details. And I, you know, it would be fine if the bill was only the title long, but we are gonna see what's in this bill next week and that's going to determine a lot about how we feel about it being in a united Kingdom. Well,
0: that- you said it's without risk. Tell tell me about that because I see some risk with her base. Conservatives have, you know, not had a a a very cordial time with one another over the course of the last half decade to decade in Alberta. It's been a lifelong story. Could you not see a risk with her base being like fuck you sold us one thing and now you're you're trying to moderate to be something else?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that that, that mm. is a risk that exists on some of the other things that we've been talking about, but I don't think that this
0: But not on this one, this, on the Sovereignty Act?
1: No, I don't think so. I think I don't think that the Sovereignty Act was designed to actually separate separate Alberta from from Canada. I think that what it's designed to do is to assert its, to assert our dominance because we give so much money to confederation, right? Um, so I think that you can actually make this, the way that she phrased it, the way that she was putting it, that, that it was about, um, making, uh, you know, almost like a first among equals kind of a thing. Um, that was, that was really what was interesting to me. I think that she'll, she'll be able to carry that through, uh, with a lot of her, um,
0: primary audience. Corey, any risk here that you see, or should I move on?
2: Yeah, there is some, depending on, again, what's in the bill, right? Mm. So if this is just a rebranding, that audience will be able to say, no, no, this is this is still what we want. This is what we were doing all along. This is what we believed we were getting. Um, but she may have set herself up a future challenge.
0: Interesting. Carter, let's talk about the guts of what she announced. It was $600 payments over the next six months for each child under 18 and families with lower incomes. Uh, this, of course... Uh, is on top of the uh, payments that she will be that will be made to seniors and people who receive benefits from AISH, Um Those, of course, also being re-indexed. Carter, as it relates to the bulk of what you wanted to talk about affordability, did you like what she had to say on it? Because there was a few chapters to this. There was an intro that included some side. You know, elbowing to the federal government and the 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 Trudeau not Singh alliance, then there was yeah. here's what I'm going to do on affordability. Then there was the extra as it related to her personal character and what she said, and I'll get to that in a second, but talk to me about the the heart of what you wanted to do here on a policy. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Tell me why
1: <laughs> Well I, I mean, I didn't really like it um, and tell me why I, 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 because i don't first of all, I don't like it doing away with the gas tax. At all. Uh, I think that the gas tax is essential, at the, especially at this moment The next in time. six
0: months will not increase. That's right. Yeah.
1: Um, so I, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, the second piece that I'm not a big fan of is uh, the $600 over the next six months. Uh, as you know, or, or likely are aware, Zane, because you are um, sentient, there is an election coming in Alberta. It's going to take place in the next six months. Um, I do not like vote buying. And I don't see how anybody can tell you that this is anything but the most um, direct of vote buying. I will give you money right now for the next six months until after the election, and I don't know. Maybe I'll give you more after the election, but if I'm not elected, maybe you won't get anything. Um, so for me, it, it was kind of—I uh, mean, it's—it was so simple and so crass uh, that just kind of it aggravated me. I, I did not like. Um, I did not like the, the the way that the money was was just kind of offered out and thrown around.
0: Uh, Corey, talk to me about that. So from your perspective, overall thoughts, and I want you then to, get re- to, to react to Carter's concept of, of what he calls vote buying here. And I want to talk about that in terms of, we were talking about how crass you can name a bill. Well, I want to talk about how crassly you can create a policy that is designed to incent people, because that's what people do. That's what political parties do, Carter, as I know you're well aware, but how <laughs> artfully did she do this, right? How craftily did she do this? What are your initial thoughts on on the package that she introduced? Carter also mentioned that Alberta will not charge the gasoline tax for the next six months and will increase the rebate amount Alberta households and small businesses already receive on electricity in addition to that $600 that I was mentioning. Your overall thoughts on the package uh, that she announced?
2: Well, I'm sure a lot of people will appreciate the package. We can learn a lot about what her strategy is based on who's being targeted with it. The fact mm-hmm. that you're getting families and you're getting seniors, but anybody sort of in between, good luck to you, right? Single person making $30,000 a year at the age of 25 doesn't sound like they're getting any kind of assistance in terms of direct financial, um, uh, you know, I'm going to say compensation, but that's the wrong word, uh, you know, support, I guess is a better word. It is um, It is always a little suspicious when governments start making um, cash payments to people just before elections. I will say, Daniel Smith's not alone here. The Liberals did this with seniors, you won't recall. Mm-hmm. Um, federal uh, Liberals you're talking about? That's right. The federal, yeah. Well, have the Provincial Liberals in Alberta have been anywhere near uh, uh, the ability to do that? Not since um, you I'm left, just, Corey. Just saying, not I'm
0: since you just left, just brother. Not since I left. <laughs> yeah. they, had, they had a chance, Corey. Yeah. And then they didn't after you left. The uh, it's not just before an
2: election, but we also have the GST rebates going up. Similarly, that's just putting money in, in people's pockets, again, targeted in different ways. Uh, but, you know, the GST rebate is for for lower, lower income Canadians. Um, but there are people who get caught up in that who probably don't need the GST rebate. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a long tradition of Canadians being given money that just effectively funneled through the government. And what in the hell is the point of that, right? That's just that's just sort of adding overhead along the way. And yes, there's something redistributive about it, but it, it doesn't seem like the role of government is just to write checks to people, right? And one of the big critiques of um, democracy over the years has been that at a certain point, if you're going to be a crass politician, you can just yeah buy people off with the public purse, which is at the end of the day, it's kind of like our own money. And, and, and this has often been a right-wing critique, mm-hmm. right? Where you have this majority that is going to take the money of a minority and redistribute it. And so it's really interesting to see a UCP government take this approach, but we live in kind of deeply cynical times. But, you know, there's this famous quote by a not famous person named Alexander Frazier Teitler. Uh, and he said a democracy cannot exist as a permanent form in government um, because it can only exist until voters discover they can vote themselves largesse yes from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidates promising the most benefits from the public treasury, with the result that a democracy always collapses over loose fiscal policy, always followed by dictatorship, according uh, to him. So, you
0: can see why this guy didn't become famous. He he liked to talk. Yeah, I This was no... So yeah. No. Listen, this quote goes Gettysburg on. Gettysburg Address. This, yeah. this quote no. goes on. This These quote this goes, goes longer on longer than and on and the Gettysburg on. Address. Oh, my
2: goodness. Well, maybe, Gettysburg public Address is not very And, uh, long. of course, the democracy yeah.
0: of the uh, – that's good. Yeah. It's, uh, we, get, we get the spirit of it, Corey. Do um, you?
1: Yeah, we did. <laughs> no, we really did. Thank you. That was great. <laughs> hey,
0: Carter. I, actually, I, this is this is actually very fascinating to me because there's two elements to this. Okay. Let's start at the most basic element of this concept of vote buying. Oh, I thought we were talking about Tyler's life. We're no, not no, going to talk no, about no, Titler's we're going to life. We're over that. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a movie. Yeah, <laughs> it Tyler's life. Yeah. Who would play Titler? Uh, I was Prank going to. The correct answer is Steve Carell. Oh. <laughs> Steve Carell would play Titler. <laughs> Steve Carell can play anyone that has the Titler sort of essence. Carter. Yeah. Do we have evidence that this concept of throwing... I'm not going to call it vote buying just yet. This concept of throwing around money prior to an election works. Can you talk to me about this? Like, you may not have it in front of you, but... but like. Is this actually so mythologized that it is now the snake that eats itself, that it's actual total bullshit? Like, we actually just think you need to do it, Uh, because you can, if you're in power. Talk to me about the veracity here. Like, you've been in government prior to an election. You guys have done similar shit. Like, talk to me about this. Yeah. Is there proof that this works?
1: Is there proof? I I don't have any proof off the top of my head. I don't have uh, an example that's jumping into mind or some sort of proof point off of... um... Uh, research that's been done but from my own experience yeah this works uh people want something mm. for nothing right the entire in fact the entire alberta advantage is us just basically taking money um one-time money and turning it into operating spending and never fixing uh, the base which is trying to figure out how we're going to spend and, and control our spending to to match our our income as long you know What Ralph Klein didn't say when he said we created an Alberta, um, what he didn't say when he said we created the Alberta Advantage is that we were just paying for it using one-time revenue. And, you know, if you can get something for nothing, why wouldn't you? I mean, you'd be nuts not to. And that's been the entire Alberta way uh, for as long as we've, you know, basically been pumping oil.
0: Corey, Okay. I've opened this bracket, so might as well keep it open. Uh the Danielle speech kind of is is our through line but we're examining a few things as we talk about it. So talk to me about this. From your perspective, the strategy of throwing around money. At what point is it cynical and at what point is it actually strategic? Right at well, what point and is there like is it porous? Like because at some point like or or is the concept of vote buying always going to be applied by the other side? Because in certain cases you can get away with it. It could be under the radar, it could be perhaps more strategic or timely or targeted, one might say. But talk to me about some of these principles. Are there any principles on, on how you do this so you're not accused with that big red stamp of vote-buying, as Carter just you know so loudly said only a couple of minutes ago as he introduced you know the content or the main content of Danielle's speech?
2: Look, vote-buying is in the eye of the beholder, and it tends to be an accusation when it's somebody that you don't like, doing something mm. that you don't like, perhaps, But the difference between vote buying and just government governing is, is pretty, pretty narrow. Uh, You know, things cost money in government and when you do things, they cost money. And before elections, you do things. And by the way, you do this in your real life too. You get busy before you have a performance review. You make sure that you can check some boxes. You can say that you've accomplished certain things. And if you happen to be managing the public purse, That's going to take money that uh, belongs to us in commonwealth, you know, collectively there. So let's just sort of start with, like, it is very much in the eye of the beholder. Okay. In fact, maybe I'll just say one more thing about that. If you were to say Rachel Notley was going to give a speech on, uh, you know, helping deal with inflation, what do you think it would have looked like? It would have looked, I mean, we know it would have had the gas tax thing because, uh, you know, the Alberta NDP is, uh, for some reason, really riding that horse. Um, But it would probably also have had targeted money for people at at this particular moment. Now, would it have been the same groups? Maybe, maybe not. Would it have been paid in the same way? Maybe, maybe not. But those are policy decisions that you can actually kind of justify. And in, in a funny way, I think it would have been more politically, strategically advantageous if Daniel Smith had dropped all of that as a lump sum as $600 but it probably makes more sense uh, to give that money on a monthly basis there so maybe it was a policy decision i don't even know okay. can- but i guess my point here on the idea of vote buying on the notion of vote buying yes. is if you don't want to be accused of vote buying make sure that it's grounded in policy can i just right? that there's like a
0: rational reason to do things Carter, jump in here. And I'm going to ask you the same question, Carter. Modern rules for what this looks like. How do you do do it most effectively if you're going to do it? What are some things to know? What are some things to avoid? Jump in, Carter. Well,
1: uh, let me get back to that. Keep that question in the back of your mind. Corey said something earlier, and I wanted to just dig into it. Um, What's this about preparing to do things before your evaluation? I could probably... Can I get some... (laughs) Could you...
2: We? Okay, well, Carter, an evaluation is something you get when you've had a job for about a for year. For more than six months. So don't worry yeah, okay about it. <laughs> okay, okay, thank
0: yeah, you. That was the same joke at the same time, so it worked. Because that's what we call <laughs> parallel thinking. We both okay. came in with the exact same joke, okay, which now, is... ask me your stupid question again. Takes a, Dan, year. Takes a year. Because I was real humor. Carter, Carter what is, I'm, I'm very curious about this. Corey's right. It's in the eye of the beholder. There's a yeah. partisan angle to it. I'm not naive about this. But there has to be a few rules of how you do it in a way that's more strategic than cynical. Well, I like think what, that how have the success, how have, let me put in the most, how have the most successful vote buyers bought votes?
2: Okay. In a way. <laughs> right? Like your whole question is melting my brain. It like, isn't. It isn't. You're somehow saying strategic and cynical are mutually exclusive. Ah, you're asking so, basically, so, how do we buy votes in a way? No, that let, has you let me way answer to the question. How do you get, let there, me there, answer the question. There's an
1: answer to this question. And it is to. There is an okay. answer to this question. To, it is to I, act but, outside of type. It is to act so. So the NDP's attempt at vote buying is going to be less successful than the UCP's attempt at so at vote buying because this is not fiscally conservative by any stretch of the imagination. She's mm. able to do this because we've got a twelve billion dollar surplus um, because we've got you know oil and and oil is going crazy right now and it's a jobless recovery or much less jobs. Uh, than we would have expected to see from this type of economic activity. So she's 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 in a spot where she's flush. And while at the same time she's flush, she's also got people who are really struggling. So she's able to throw money into this situation. It becomes less cynical, if you will, because it actually is a difficult period of time. Uh, there is high inflation. There is l- lower employment than Alberta is used to in these types of uh, – economic boom periods and it and it plays against her type it plays against her own brand therefore it becomes easier to say well this is absolutely necessary if even danielle smith and the fiscally conservative ucp are going to do this when you're handing out largesse on behalf of the progressive conservatives at the end it was less impressive because we were handing out largesse every opportunity we got and people had started mm. to write it off and say well of course, they're handing out this, that, and the other thing. That's how they get elected, right? And I suspect that if the NDP was to come forward and say we're going to do this times two, the NDP would have would have their own credibility problems. So that's that's how that's how you answer a question, Corey Hogan.
0: Yeah, Just like that was a that. dumb question. What a great answer! <laughs> Amazing, a fucking smart answer. Damn Just right, be it Carter was. and I. Just be Carter and I. Hey, Corey, I, I, I've got a question for you. It's actually leading to what what Carter said. Let's go back to her speech for a second. She used the word crisis a lot. She said, we've got an affordability crisis. This is a crisis, crisis, crisis over and over again. She might be right. And others might say that you know some of that, that crisis is is targeted. Others might say that some of that crisis is past us in terms of inflation rates. Talk to me about the deliberate nature of her using crisis over and over again with what we know about political leaders in terms of if they can act in crisis mode or be a leader in crisis mode, it actually provides them some runway of opportunity. Do you feel like that's what she was trying to do here? Not necessarily will or extend a crisis, but really frame that? Because that's what I kind of heard. But I'm curious if you heard the same thing, to try to then be like, I'm a responder to this crisis. I am the savior to this crisis sort of thing, which kind of gives her some of those added boosters that we've seen when political leaders deal with natural disasters, when political leaders deal with pandemics etc in the past talk to me about that did you sense any of that or, or or is that just just me from my perspective i didn't uh it's
2: an interesting thought when you throw it out there i got the sense that she was using the word crisis as part of a dialing up of rhetoric to to, to, to create stakes that justified the money that she was now spending so that was my sense here mm. it wasn't so much to create a crisis so that she could be a hero in a crisis it was yeah you can't spend unplanned billions of dollars unless there's a good reason for it. And so a lot of what she said throughout the course of that speech really seemed to be attempting to justify the spending of money at that particular moment, uh, which to me suggested like I think it was telling and I think it told us something very interesting about the debate that must have gone on in government around there. And that was, is this justified or not? Uh, certainly because we know this is not even the, the idea that they originally floated of money going to everybody. Uh, which, again, suggests late, late breaking. And the fact that they didn't know whether this money was taxable or not suggests details didn't come together right away. Mm. I feel that she defined it as a crisis to justify to a conservative, a fiscally conservative audience, why she was doing it.
0: Carter, uh, give me your read on this, because my read was was maybe the most cynical of the bunch, perhaps, which was I think she's trying to keep the crisis branding alive uh, and, and and top of mind so that she can kind of be said solution or hero, as Corey said, the crisis. What did you kind of make of that as she repeated those words over and over again um, of on the affordability crisis?
1: Well, I, I think that what was really interesting to me was who she blamed for the affordability crisis and what she blamed for the affordability crisis. Mm. She said the affordability crisis was, be, you know, the inflation was because of rampant spending from the federal government. Um, that's true. We are spending more than 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 ever before. Um, But it's down since the pandemic heights. Uh, Record debt. um, By what measure? I would love to say, I'd love to know where the record debt comes from. Anti-energy policies. Again, fascinating. We have produced more oil and more greenhouse gases under uh, Justin Trudeau than any other prime minister in Canadian history. And he's not the longest serving by any stretch of the imagination. So, what exactly are the anti-energy policies that she's talking about? Because we went past the, you know, I think it was the red. Who, I can't remember who put a cap in. It was, the cap of uh, greenhouse gases was notley. We're well past those caps now. They've been repealed, obviously, under Jason Kenney. But we've got we are producing more GHGs than uh, than we ever have. And so, I want to know, just out of curiosity, you know, Dan, Danny, Danielle, um, what is our anti-energy policies that we're that we're going against this is all part of the the narrative it's a crisis that doesn't exist except in the heads of Albertans um and the reason that it exists there is because we keep being told that bad things are being done to us um by this evil evil uh federal government so that's where the crisis lies the crisis lies
0: there quick uh, t- talk to me about uh, crisis you wanted to add a piece here as well
2: yeah you have to be very careful when you continually say something as a crisis as a politician, right? If you say it's a crisis and if you can't solve it or more accurately if you're perceived not to be able to solve it, mm-hmm. you are signing your own political death warrant and uh mm. you know there's there's a place for kind of creating language about clash and and contrast and controversy. But if you define something as a crisis, if you point the crisis to a couple of you know very specific things as Daniel Smith did and then you are unable to do anything about them, watch out, right? I I mean, you're, maybe it won't be your threat comes increased from the left, but maybe you are asking for somebody within your own party to come and say, you said it was a crisis. You haven't actually I don't, declared sovereignty. We must go further. Something like that is very possible, mm. so – um, you gotta be careful that you don't let the language get away from underneath you. And I think in many ways, this is one of the lessons of Jason Kenney's tenure, right? Think about everything that he said around yeah. COVID-19 and, and how we didn't want to be, uh, stifling freedoms just when we had the best summer ever for 30 seconds before we went right back into a world of, uh, you know, vaccine mandates and, and all of that. So yeah, watch oh. out.
0: Carter, would you advise her to Corey's point here, as an extension of this, to embrace this broader hero in a crisis frame? Like you always love to talk about and pull it in the terms of political brand. Would you want, like, she's got control of our provincial checkbook? There's a big surplus. Would you tell her to embrace this role of this political brand of hero in a crisis, or do you feel like, to Corey's point, that's a bit of a risk because of how? multimodal in its core essence, affordability and inflation actually are in terms of any one person's ability to solve it. How would you advise her on this, uh, this ability perhaps that she could carve out if she wanted to on embracing this hero in a crisis branding and frame that is accessible to her perhaps?
1: Well, I don't think we're looking for a hero. I think what we're looking for is mm. normalcy. I think that what we're looking for are the the regular opportunities that we as Albertans have been granted by the, 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 the luck of where we reside. Um, you know, she's going to have a big surplus. That means spending time in Alberta, right? We don't save it. We spend it. That's our nature. So, you know, it doesn't all need to be, um, you know, it doesn't all need to be directed at crisis. It can be directed at transit it can be directed at schools it can be you know this off brand stuff that she could do you know i was a school trustee i know that what we need is is more schools where people live t- t-
0: talk to me that- about this carter how important will off brand or what you said earlier against type b for her going forward do you feel like that would be one of like the through lines of your advice to her like be unpredictable, almost like a little herky-jerky in terms of what people would expect, or is that massive risk to to the base that she needs to even shore up from the get?
1: She's already invoking the 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 sainted Klein. Um, she's already invoking the the yeah. you know the name of Ralph Klein as as our sainted leader Ralph Klein once said, "Fuck you, Ottawa." Um, you know, like that. I always wonder, you know, I think I've said it before on the podcast a thousand times, which Ralph Klein do you like? Which Ralph Klein do you worship? The guy who cut spending or the guy who increased spending to the highest per capita rates in Canada? Or or also, Carter,
0: for many people, who the fuck is Ralph Klein? Which I think is another question to it. Well, exactly.
1: Well, anyways, uh, I'll I'll let Corey jump in and clean up my mess here.
0: uh, Corey, the, the question to Carter was about the hero frame. The one the one that kind of you, you, you brought up. Should she embrace that? Would you advise her to embrace that since she has control of the checkbook on this? Would you uh, tell her that? Yeah, you know what? This is how you get the coalition. This is how you emerge a leader. This is the brand we can play on for the next six months. If that was a question to you as advisor to Danielle Smith, Premier of Alberta, what would you say to her?
2: Well, look, let's let's talk about what she's trying to do here. She wants to win the next election. To win the next election, she's identified different groups that she believes will be maybe, like let's just say, we I don't have any kind of special insight here, but she's identified certain groups that she feels she'll require in order to get to the to that election and, and to victory, and that is families and that's seniors. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's just say that's the case. So you want to spend the money on families and seniors. You need a pretext for doing so. Uh, that pretext requires you uh, to actually raise some pretty significant stakes, because otherwise it becomes why are you spending billions of dollars uh, for these groups, including for seniors who have just this, you know, generationally absurd wealth uh, when you compare it to the the other demographics that you're skipping over here, right? Um, so, in a certain sense, I think what you've landed on is correct. It's that she needs to keep stakes at a certain place to justify the action that she's she's taking here. But um, Carter said the magic word. Which was normalcy here.
0: Hmm. This
2: was not a speech. This, in my opinion, Zane. Others can disagree. This was not a. This was not a speech about inflation. This was not a speech about Ottawa. This was a speech about Danielle Smith seeming normal. This was yeah, what, her. Ability, what were your two
0: words last time? Was it moderate? Was it mainstream? Moderate and normal. Moderate mainstream, normal. moderate, normal. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it
2: is. But yeah. I think that's that's what she was going for here. Um, she she talked about. Some of her more extreme actions, she justified by creating extreme stakes, right? So yeah, the Alberta Sovereignty Act seems extreme, but wow, has anything ever been this bad with Ottawa, right? Becomes the stakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm being very moderate about it. And I'm a proud Canadian, and that's why it's uh, sovereignty within a united Canada. Uh, inflation, wow, it's it's once in a generation out of control because of that damn federal government again, right? Because you can't blame the provincial government for this. You can't call it a global thing because you need to have some sort of opponent And you're not going to be able to resolve a global problem. So I'm going to take these actions. And and, and this is a very practical, pragmatic thing to do. You don't normally think a conservative is spending money in this way, but I'm a very moderate, normal individual. Mm. And then she even ends by saying, effectively, I've taken extreme positions in the past, you know, way back in ancient history as of like six months ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've evolved. I've learned from all of you. I am a normal, moderate mainstream politician. And that was the purpose of the speech. That and finding a reason to spend the money, but that was the purpose of the speech.
0: Carter, let's get into that. You talked about the invocation of Ralph Klein. Corey talked about the end of the speech. She spends the last, I'm going to, I'm spitballing you. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, I don't know if you know, but the board broke. Uh, The last 60 seconds or so, (laughs) um, talking about How she's made mistakes in the past. Her views have evolved. She's not a radio show host anymore. That she said contrarian things. I don't know if she used the word contrarian, but I'm paraphrasing. Right. Um, And that, you know, I hope you give me the same um, latitude or charity uh, that you gave Ralph Klein, uh, a guy that we love and would say inane shit all the time and be forgiven for it. Right. Still paraphrasing. Yeah. What did you think of her inserting that at the tail end? Did you feel like it was desperate? Did you feel like it was strategic? Would you have advised her to do it, Carter?
1: I think we did advise her to do that. Well, I did, as a matter of fact, and you guys laughed at me. Do you remember making fun of me and saying that I was stupid? Because um, that's what you guys said. And Kinda I said...
2: all blurs together, yeah. if we're going to be honest. Yeah, I mean, wow. what, what's
1: one He's difference just... between calling me stupid for this thing or for that thing? But you guys used to call... You guys called me stupid because I said she should stand up <laughs> and say... These are the things. And you said, and you said, all you're going to do then is get give people quote, to look for them. Quote. Go look for mm. them. Well, I'll tell you something. No one's looking for them. Instead, everybody's saying, yeah, well, that was actually pretty good. Now she's got herself out of trouble. And Has she? You think so? Listen, I said it weeks ago. I was right then. I'm right now. There is no way. she. We are forgiving people. We are very, for, and I think that most people are forgiving. Um, we forgave Ralph Klein, mm. who was heinous. In so many ways. And, um, you know, this is this, you know, Danielle Smith, young woman asking for our forgiveness. Damn right. Most can, most Albertans are going to forgive her. She took a big step towards normalcy. Mm. As Corey said, I was pissed off because I thought she lied. I was pissed off because in her health care section, she seemed to blame management for long emergency room waits do you have too much management or do you not have enough frontline staff? Like, I don't understand what the hell she's talking about here. She's making up stories to justify her behavior. Um, You know, I was, I was furious as I was listening to the whole thing. Uh Where the hell yeah. are these hospitals and ORs that are sitting there empty with nurses at the standby, ready to go. Do you think, you, do you think a doctor just fucking walks into an ER and just cuts open a patient and hopes for the best? There's some tools required. And to tool up these operating rooms and to get, you know, like go to Canmore and have your operation. Do you have any idea what that would be like? Do you have any idea how many changes that would require to enable that actually to happen? Sure, there might have been an OR that was sitting empty because we don't fund the ORs in, in rural Alberta anymore. But the reason we did that is because we didn't have the doctors. We didn't have the nurses. And we couldn't afford to have operating rooms in 3,700 hospitals across the fucking province. But she doesn't need to say any of that because she's she's now normal normal oh,
2: Can
0: i I, can you, I want to jump you, on that yeah before gonna... you yeah go before you go i just need to just quickly uh, i just feel like it's the right time you know we've recorded 1017 episodes and there are things i've said oh. i have taken contrarian stances on this podcast, <laughs> so i just hope the listeners that you know they give me the same courtesy they'd give a ralph klein or, you know or daniel smith they would just allow me okay yeah just just inserting that in there okay. cory React to Carter right here, and also react to, should she have done that apology ask, that ask for an apology, or I hope you see me through the glasses you saw Ralph Klein through uh, back in the 90s and the 2000s? Talk to me about if you would have advised her to do that, and then react to Carter's healthcare (laughs) tirade as well.
2: Yeah, I don't think I necessarily would have. I think I would have left that
0: unspoken
2: or... um... I, well, specifically the Ralph Why Klein would why,
0: why, why would you have not asked – why would you have told her to say this? Like if you were to talk into her the day mm-hmm. before, that afternoon, be like, here's why I wouldn't tell you to insert this. Like what would your rationale be? I don't know. I don't
2: actually think that Ralph Klein has aged perfectly with like the general population. I have no polling on this. I'd actually be very curious to see how mm-hmm. Albertans think about Ralph Klein over time. But uh, when I think about the groups that she needs to win, I just – I you know – a lot of them simply did not live in Alberta um, in you know in Ralph Klein's day. I was mm-hmm. trying to figure out exactly how many just by running a couple of like loose napkin calculations here, but let's just keep it simple. You know, there's more than a million more Albertans than when Ralph Klein was premier. People have been coming and going by the hundred of thousand. Uh, you know, immigration, emigration. People have died. People have been born. I seriously doubt you know more than half the population. It was old enough and here uh, when Ralph Klein was premier, so they oh they will only know the legend of Ralph Klein, mm. uh, for good and for ill, and um and what she was talking about was not so much the legendary Ralph Klein. She was talking about some very specific moments that she was asking people, okay. Stay with me here. This is a group of... So half the half the population of this province, still a province, not a country mm-hmm. yet. We'll wait and see what the sovereignty yeah, is. Sovereign yes, yeah. Very close. Yeah, Half yeah. the population of this province, let's just say for fun, wasn't here when Ralph Klein was here. And they know just the legend of Ralph Klein. And that legend is probably mixed, but I doubt it goes into a lot of details about all of Ralph Klein's personal public failings. And so like, does she really want to remind people and, and sort of evoke him to talk about things that a lot of these people will never have heard of? And if they were to look up, they're going to say, what the fuck? Why did you give him a pass for throwing money at homeless people? Why did you do like, why did you allow him to continually apologize for these things? Like, they didn't live it. They didn't feel it. And so she can't pull on those feelings. I guess that's the simplest way I'll put it here. And so it just simply shouldn't have been said. It should have been left unsaid. She should have just left it as it's a basic human, decent thing to do to to just sort of give people latitude. Now, on the healthcare stuff, by far the thinnest part of the speech. Her plan to fix healthcare was basically bullet one: fix healthcare. Bullet two: don't break healthcare. Bullet three: you know, repair <laughs> the things that are broken in healthcare. Like it, it said absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, the one piece of substance that she gave was the managers piece which just gave me like flashbacks. It was like the 2012 election. And and it actually made me worry, has her view of healthcare not updated in 10 years? Because like the idea of too many managers was huge in Alberta in 2012. But, uh, you know, the reality was never quite that. And the reality is certainly not that now. Like when you look at KaiHai data and and data that allows you to compare healthcare system to healthcare system, Alberta is very lean on the manager side. So
0: what are we talking about?
1: Almost too lean unbelievably yeah
0: carter let's 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 put the package back together let's put the bow back on the nine minutes of danielle smith what did you make of it overall now that we've kind of jumped in and out of certain segments had some open bracket conversations on other items what did you make it of it overall what would you one thing you would have advised her to change if you were advising her to do differently what would it have been for you the top thing from your political strategy hat that you would have said, I wish you would have done this differently. So overall thoughts on the nine minute package. And then your one thing that you wish you would have done, the premier would have done differently.
1: Uh, I was really angry when she made the speech. And I think that one of the reasons I was really angry is I do think it will be effective. Um, we haven't seen any polling as yet, um, but I suspect that, you know, for uh, we'll go back to and use Ralph Klein's language, the Martha and Henry's of, of Alberta. Um, there was, there was some, certainly some hits in that, in that piece. They, they like, they like who she is and I think they'll, they'll, they'll move up. I think she, she hit as more normal. Um, we also talked about making sure that she had one through line and she failed on that massively. Uh, she can have all the different topics that she wants, but she just, she was all over the place. Um, the, these four ideas, these four things that she kind of walked through, um, too much. Too, too much. I mean, um, if I was giving her advice, I would have asked her to uh, think about going slower, um, to focus on being normal, and to give us some things that aren't personal but are societal. Um, She's already mused about the Calgary to to Calgary to uh, to Banff train. Um, She's mused about a couple of other uh, big infrastructure projects. projects. You know. Lean into some of that. Give us a school. We like schools. Schools are good. You know, take some of that largesse that we're going to have and and spend it for us as a community and not us as individuals. And that I think would have played a smidge better for her in in the long run.
0: Boy, give me your thoughts on the overall nine minute package that we saw. It could be from content to presentation to what Carter just mentioned on through line to um to to the overall sort of end-to-end uh topics that we discussed give me your overall thoughts on this and then one thing you if you were strategizing with or for danielle smith uh the premier of alberta you would have told her that i wish you would have done this differently
2: yeah so clearly not a through line a real grab bag a real potpourri of a speech um which i i I think I said it was likely to happen, but I think both Carter and I said she should have a through line. It would Mm. be a better speech if there was a through line. Uh, Insofar as there was a theme, it was kind of, you know, moderate and, you know, middle of the road. And I do think that sort of came through relative to the caricature of her that she has helped develop in her first month on the job. And, um, you know, she can only get away with this so many times. There's only so many times you can say, whoops, sorry, on such a big public stage. And you know, God help her when she has to start reversing things that she said as premier, right? She's only been in the job a month and she's reversing things that she said mm. four, five months before she had the job. There will be things that come up that really make us all go, uh, wait, what, what are we talking about here? Yeah. What is happening? Because, because of who she is and because she listens to people and then she repeats what she's heard and she takes their advice. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, You know, in a counselor, it is probably not a great thing in a premier, you know, discernment is such a massive part of the job. Um, My advice to her on the overall speech, in addition to, I think it could have, I think it could have been a little bit better. Uh, I mean, like stylistically or yeah, like it had a very rushed feel. In my Mm. opinion, Uh, it feels like it was maybe one, two takes of of a lot of these sections and put together. I couldn't get over as somebody who, who does this for a living, how often she seemed to be tripping on her teleprompter. Yeah. You can see it when you know it and when you feel it. And you can, I can't imagine why they didn't just say, okay, that was fine, but let's go and do another one. And let's go do another one. And normally when you do this, you run through it a couple of times, you hide the cuts. Um, you don't even hide the cuts in, you know, cutaways to charts. That's, that's easy. But actually if you go to any one of these kind of produced teleprompter speeches, what happens is you'll see it Multiple goes cameras. wide, yeah, narrow, wide, narrow. And it just or sort secondary of cuts in yeah. out side, and out. Right. No, not even like just same camera, wide, narrow, wide, narrow and you do it almost to look like it's it's a point of emphasis or impact but it allows you to cut on the paragraphs and it just looks like it's part of the production and if that was the best of those takes i'm confused i'm confused why they didn't just do more takes until she had a certain comfort with the teleprompter on that note though she was she's clearly uh you know really quite intentional about her words and just don't know if that format works for her that would be my other piece of advice Mm. she felt a little wooden for me and she's playing high stakes but um i don't know I, i there was something about it that just really seemed off really seemed off it didn't use like kind of her best attributes she is so warm and effervescent on a stage in front of people i know you can't do that with the premier address but it just if I were them, I would be playing with more formats. I would not be going back to this format more regularly but
1: comment on that that's an interesting like.
0: point stylistically he, but that Corey mentions
1: well and and one of the interesting things that I noted was the um uh, the stage right camera shot um uh, so there's a yes. straight there was a straight on camera shot and then there was a stage right camera shot, and I was confused by that because the stage right camera shot offered us nothing new and didn't give us anything like it looked like. It, it didn't look like a good shot it 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 made her well, look so
2: clearly a cutaway when you go to that yeah shot, it, right?
1: and it was not it didn't add anything to her power i mean we we can we i don't know if we've talked much about where you know where on the stage you you can draw power from and how that power is you know dependent on on the staging and the stage design and this is probably not the time to go into that but the stage itself offers you power and where those positioning of the cameras are that camera took away from her power, um, which was weird to watch. Uh, I think that that's one of the reasons that you were kind of left wanting on it is the camera work was very, uh, I thought, haphazard.
0: We're going to leave that segment there. That segment, of course, brought to us by our sponsor, Flair Airlines. Flair Airlines, we hope you forgive us like you did Ralph Klein. Uh, Let's move (laughs) on to our final segment. We're over under in our lightning round. So many Albertans should start forgiving Flair Airlines like they did. Oh, absolutely. Their premier. I don't know why they, they wouldn't. They should, yeah. Carter. Come on. Carter, overall grade. Danielle Smith, her state of the province address or televised address to the province, the nine-minute package we were just chatting about. What are you giving this as an overall letter grade, Stephen Carter?
1: C-minus. Um, you know, I think that she, she was there. She read the prompter. Uh, it was better than I thought it was going to be, which just annoyed me.
0: Corey, what letter grade are you giving to this uh, televised address by Premier Daniel Smith?
2: It, it was a B. When you look at the content in there, it seemed to do the job of of trying to make her seem moderate. Um, her delivery left a little to be desired for me, but I think most people won't be bothered by it. I, I think this is one of the curses of working in communications. You see those things yeah. a lot, um, and, and most people will not. They will not catch the cues as to why they're tripping up, how they're tripping up, things like that. And, um, you know, honestly, I think it, it did the job it was supposed to do. And here we are talking about it. And generally speaking, the package will land with the people it was supposed to land with.
0: Corey, I'm going to stick with you on this. You teased out very effectively last episode the difference between why you do this state of the province address on TV or on social media versus a speech from the throne. Well, we're now at the speech from the throne this week. We're going to head into it. What advice would you have for the government as they try to maybe work off or take the momentum of this address by Danielle Smith into the speech from the throne? Is it the same message? Are you going, is it okay to say the same thing over and over again? Would you advise an expansion package? How would you just on broad framework related things take the energy of the nine minutes into what I suspect is going to be a longer uh, speech from the throne, of course, not delivered by the premier herself?
2: Well, this is when you can start filling in some of the details, which this is the appropriate moment to do it anyhow. You don't want to be mm. uh, stepping all over the privilege of the legislature. You know, you're supposed to introduce bills to them before you introduce them to other people so yeah. and so forth. The real opportunity, though, is to continue that theme of normalcy. The The pageantry around the speech to the throne is so scripted. Uh, we're so kind of used to it. And you just have Danielle Smith acting like a very normal premier. She will start to seem like a normal premier. And that's the real opportunity. I doubt there's going to be too much in the speech from the throne proper that we don't already know. Uh, it will be a different bundling of it. It will be more in the language of acts, as we were talking about. And we're all going to forget it immediately when the Alberta Sovereignty Act comes out moments later. So, yes, you know, the, the benefit really is just to get the B-roll of people
0: looking normal. Carter, any advice as they go from this televised package into the speech from the throne?
1: I think that Corey's mentioned something with the acts, and the acts are good. you got to make sure you've got that through line all the way through. But keep in mind that there's going to be a sequel, and the sequel is going to come in, in the spring. So just before your election. So I would think of this as a two-part, you know, you're Peter Jackson, and you're trying to put together the Lord of the Rings trilogy. How are you going to sculpt? Because we got into this trouble in in 2012 we we sculpt-
2: Did you just give peter jackson credit for lord of the rings isn't that who it was is that would just
0: yeah isn't that who it was yeah
2: i mean that's who made the movies yeah on the books yeah well he's yeah, the he's guy director.
0: he's talking about directing this is
2: <laughs> what the fuck Boom. i mean do do you he's the dominant he's new he took me plot- off tr- do you think he's introducing new plot points I don't give a it, shit what no, Peter Jackson can he, do, whatever kind of, the fuck he wants. Fucking,
0: he, it's Peter you know Jackson. What's, what's great? Hey, Carter, have you seen that Peter Jackson... <laughs> uh, have you seen the Peter Jackson Beatles documentary uh, on I, Disney Plus? Uh, I. It was actually the... <laughs> I know you have it. That was the last, no, thing, I it. It was enjoy, the last thing I tried to watch before we canceled Disney Plus. the last Enjoy four hours of SportsCenter tonight. Oh, geez, <laughs> fuck. It's really upsetting. Enjoy four straight hours of the same highlight. Well, Heather asked
1: me what we got, and I'm like, we've got... Five TSNs. I did not even know there was such a thing as five TSNs, but here we go.
0: Carter, f- finish your thought on this. Uh, on on on
1: on. Um... Three acts, three big pieces. We were <laughs> yes. in 2012. We forgot that we had to do a budget. We had to do a speech from the throne. We had to do uh, a campaign. And each of those things needs to be distinct but build on one another. You can't repeat the same plot points. And the person who really did that the best was Peter fucking jackson
0: the legend Legend. man himself carter i'm gonna stick with you for a second thank you on the political on the political strategy i'm gonna be very clear on this on the political strategy by the daniel smith government give me a letter grade on their new provincial government regulation that says no alberta schools or pre-kindergarten classes can require students to wear masks to attend school uh and 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 no online schooling anymore so this just came out on the on the friday yeah uh, the rules take effect immediately, um, and they also, uh, like I mentioned, prevent almost every Alberta school from shifting grade one to twelve classes to a solely online format. On a pure political strategy perspective, what letter grade do you give the Smith government for this new regulation?
1: Oh, it's an abomination. Um, I, I, you know, in terms of letter ga- grade, I would give it an, a, you know, seventy five percent. She's playing to her base. She knows who she's playing to. Um, in terms of what I actually think of the policy, I think it's disgusting uh, to determine that you cannot uh, require people to wear masks before you actually know what's going on, especially when you actually have uh, huge lineups. Um, you know, adding uh, a trailer to the Alberta Children's Hospital waiting area is not a solution. Uh-huh. Um, so to say, you know, you can't wear masks at a time when, uh, you know, shit's getting real. Uh, for For Alberta families, and this is just going to show that she 's completely out of touch. I remind people Danielle Smith was fired as a school trustee, and now she 's prohibiting their school her you know other school trustees from doing their jobs so i 'm not impressed um, by that action, and I think that that really undermines who the, who she 's supposed to be and again, uh, I look at the sycophants lining up to serve with her uh, in her government, and i 'm unbelievably uh unimpressed. By people who know better, but are standing beside her as she makes these uh, ridiculous uh, proclamations from her throne.
0: Corey, this this regulation says that no Alberta schools or pre kindergarten classes can require students to wear masks to attend school. What do you make of this from a pure political strategy perspective? If you were to give it a letter grade on that, what would you give it?
2: I honestly don't know. Um, obviously, it is not very good public health strategy. Um, it's this blanket, um, prohibition that arguably that prohibition should be, or, or, you know, masking and, and the ability to go online classes should be something that's allowed now, let alone in a hypothetical future. But there is still a hypothetical future too, where things get even worse. And, you know, this, this needs to then be revisited. And one of the things that I pray that we will not find out is what it looks like for Daniel Smith to have to back down on these things. If things Mm. get truly terrible with our hospitals, I just, I hope we never get to that point. The consequences, if we do, is just way too high, but you asked me about political strategy. And I I think the reality is the online teaching is very hard on parents. Um, Masks, not so hard on parents, but uh, you know, it's all a bit of a bundle where everybody wants, you know, there's this denial I think of respiratory diseases of COVID-19, uh, of all of it. And this desire to, to not lose this, uh, you know, normalcy is the name of the game today, but not lose this normalcy we've gotten back in the past few months. And so I think that a lot of parents will tut tut it, but quietly be a bit relieved that they don't need to worry about online schooling being a possibility. I, I do. And, um, and, Will it change your view? If, if this is your issue, you already are not with Daniel Smith, or you are, depending on which side you're on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you're not, I think you're just going to keep on walking.
1: Yeah.
0: Corey, final question. I'll start with you. Are you in or out on what you saw this past Friday on our man JT, Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, on his testimony for the Emergencies Act? What did you make of it? Are you in or are you out from, from what you saw from the Prime Minister? Well, you know, Zane, I watched every minute of the five Same and here. a half hours that Same.
2: that he was there. And did you actually? Because I, I sure didn't.
0: No, I did not. No, I
1: okay. don't. Looks like it was just me then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you got your Emergencies Act fan gear on. Probably. Yeah, I do.
1: I do. You know, yeah.
2: No, I mean, it sounds like it went well. I didn't watch it. I, I saw the sound bites. Some people online were upset he used French, which is crazy because it's one of our official languages. And... um and most of the uh, you know pundits who reviewed the performance seemed to think it was pretty solid. Some people saying maybe still not a legal justification, but certainly strong political, strong economic justification. Um, and he doesn't come out of it looking all that bad or that unreasonable and apparently had quite a command of his portfolio. And that's great. That's exactly what you need if you're the prime minister. And by the way, for the prime minister to go for five and a half hours and subject themselves to this, that in itself is saying something. Especially when one of the narratives on the other side is that he's hiding. Nobody hides by being in, in like a public inquiry
0: for five and a half hours. Carter, are you in or out? In what you saw from the prime minister, uh, I'm in. As you witnessed all five and a half hours.
1: I'm very in. I mean, again, it sounds like you listened to a strategist strategist episode and and took our best advice, which obviously is my advice. And uh kind of you know accepted the the you know reminded people that this wasn't being fixed until it was fixed by using the emergencies act and and that that was the ultimate power of this uh, of his presentation that and the fact that he ditched the um the drama teacher uh, elements of of his you know, yeah of his his life that you know how many how many times have I kicked the crap out of him for doing that um he seemed real. He seemed, you know, I, I like this guy. I think this guy could could really have a future in politics if he decided to be this guy. Um, we'll see if he chooses that, hey? We'll see if he chooses it.
0: We're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1017 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter, and we will see you next time.
1: Why are we back?
2: A democracy cannot exist as a permanent oh form God. of government. It can only exist until the voters discover that they can vote themselves largesse from the public treasury. Seriously? From that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidates promising the most benefits from the public treasury, with the result that a democ- a democracy always collapses over loose fiscal policy.
0: God, it's fucked. This is always. why people want dictatorships. Yeah.
2: <laughs> followed by a dictatorship. The average age of the nation's greatest civilizations has been 200 years. These nations have progressed through this sequence from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to apathy, from apathy to dependence. I'm at apathy
1: right now, actually. Dependence. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Actually, I'm personally stuck on bondage. Okay.
1: Well, that happens.
2: Back into bondage. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Wait back into bondage Yeah you go back into bondage Yeah, yeah. That's a good episode title back into bondage once,
1: once you're in bondage you never get away from it That seems to be the uh, The message here it's, You know what that's a great quote Corey thank you for living You're telling
0: me he isn't famous You're telling me he didn't make How? it
2: You're telling me people aren't reciting this No the quote is famous
1: Not The really, guy is not very not famous Not really that famous
2: the, I've never heard of this quote You know what? I think the problem was maybe I just didn't read it very well. Did you read it again? A democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until the voters discover that they can vote themselves largesse from the public treasury.